Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I gotta say, uh, real quick, uh, Tabor, um, can you, you can eulogize yeah. me, right? At my funeral? That, I mean, that opening. <laughs> I am here on the TCU podcast to once and for all put an end to people saying that I defended <laughs> Alex Jones. I did not defend Alex Jones. It feels like Alex Jones somehow has always been tapped into being able to just make that shit up on the fly. Like, I think he would have been a great pulp novelist. He is a wordsmith when it comes to crazy shit. How do you tell those stories in a YouTube video, though? Because aren't you going to kind of piss off a lot of people on either side? There always needs to be more studies. And then better studies for those, and then better peer reviews for those, and then <laughs> analyze who did the peer review and how that study went, and it is just a spiral. I believe in the spiral of science. Hey, welcome to the Create Unknown, the home of Make Something, Mean Something. I am Kevin Lieber, and I am here on TCU night, Wednesday night, 6 p.m., Eastern. We are live on Discord. We have some lurkers hanging out with us and listening for free. We have, of course, our patrons chatting with us in the chat. We have our dumpster crew, our infantry, our baby gang, our $2 tots. Did you know, did you know that you could buy a year's worth of $2 tots for $20? That's it. That's, that's less than like 21 objects that cost $1, which is an amazing amazing deal with me as always is matthew Tabor. How, how did you like my uh my math there was that good that was good yeah i was wondering what you're going to compare it to uh and i was thinking like oh you know video games are way over 20 dollars unless they're like bargain bin awful ones um yeah so so you surprised me a bit with with 21 things at the dollar store but that's good i like that mm-hmm. you'd fill a basket with with utter trash much better to be a top <laughs> And gain all the prestige that comes with that. Uh, right. There's no choking hazard on on being a tot like there is with so many of those dollar store items. You can't trust them. Mm. Um, mm. But before we get going, I want to shout out many kudos because uh, what day is today? Today's Wednesday because it's TCU night. So Monday it must have been. He finally hit 100,000. And it's just been amazing. We talked to him about... Uh, kind of about this journey and where it started, you know, meeting him when he was in the hundreds, seeing him do everything right and grind and work hard uh, and get a couple breaks. And then it's 5,000 and 10,000 and blows up to 50 and 60. Um, hundred thousand is a big milestone. So seeing him go from the beginning to that is honestly, it's, it's what we want to see a lot more of. So congratulations to many kudos on six figures. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's amazing. That's a lot of subscribers. And he did a really nice little tweet that's thanking a, a bunch of people who helped him along the way, including 
our very own Matthew Tabor for all of the advice. Yeah, I was in the, the third tweet, though. You know, he, he listed like three <laughs> rounds people and I was in last tier. So save the best for well, last. Have you ever heard of that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, hopefully he, he rethinks his priorities for the uh, 250,000 milestone. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. So um, let us know about our, our, our guest today. I don't know if you wanted to do talk about our mics. Are we still talking about our mics? Have, have they uh, said anything about the Vsauce 2? appearance at all are we are no are they we? ask nothing from us they demand mm. nothing which is mm. this is the best relationship ever because uh, uh electro voice threw us some amazing mics and just said like we want you to use them we want you to talk about them for better or worse uh, and and that's it you're not required to do anything so anytime we mention it it is purely because we want to we are not con- contractually obligated to do anything at all uh that's amazing uh, but yeah, we're still using them. We still like them. The RE20s, really, I think they've they've been the best fit for us. Uh, the 320 is bright. That's very good. Uh, but but yeah, I think the RE20 is the classic for a reason. And that's the, yeah. you're still using that one, right? Yeah, it is a, a n- nice relationship. It's like, here's this amazing product, and now we will never speak again. <laughs> it's a perfect sponsorship. <laughs> but yeah, everything we we say is because we want to uh but yeah i do feel i do feel a a little bit silly for not uh not going harder on high high end mics many many years ago uh we had some really good road mics and that was cool but before that i just didn't think it mattered that much and i had a mid-range kind of thing and it would have been worth the money like 10 years ago in various projects to go to go hard so whether it's something that's uh like the re20 electro voice or something else go with quality it's just one of those things you gotta sound good you gotta Mm. sound good in every video yeah audio is more important than video i think we've said it a lot of times on this podcast yeah well we have somebody to talk to today and you may be familiar with the biblical magi the three wise men who visited Jesus after his birth, each bearing special gifts. What you may not know is the story of the YouTube Magi who visited a sweet-faced Somali boy and armed him with a set, a set of talents that have culminated in his appearance on the Create Unknown today. Oki's Weird Stories owes his name to the OKI Electric Industries Company in Japan. And aficionados of obsolete technology and older nerds will remember the OKI data dot matrix printers in the 1980s. But we have to assume that the three YouTube legends blessed our little Oki with special abilities fresh out of the womb. From internet historian, he received the craft of long-form narrative about subjects you didn't know you cared about. From our very own Kevin of Vsauce 2, he was rewarded with the drive for exacting in-depth research and analysis. And from Justin Wang, he was graced with a unique irreverence and penchant for an entertaining approach to topics like whether chemicals in water make frogs gay, the uh, the singularly insane story of John McAfee, and the special relationship between Kim Jong-un and Dennis Rodman. The result is a wildly successful channel right in the midst of blowing up nearly 250,000 subscribers right now. And by year's end, it's going to be at least twice that. I would not be surprised if it was three times or more. And venturing deeper into his passion of film analysis, his podcast with the Kino Corner, who is no stranger 
around the creator unknown. Uh, it's called the Kino Cast, and it's off to an excellent start. Uh, Friday's episode just released is with Ghost Gum. Uh, Oki has had a few minor conflicts along the way, including almost having his channel nuked. But the only real criticism we've ever seen is that people desperately want more videos. Assuming you wouldn't get banned, sued, or blacklisted, Oki, what is the one topic you wish you could make a video about? Oh, wow. You're going to hit me with the, the, that kind yeah, of question. We're going to go big. Right Something that I wish <laughs> I could talk about? You yeah, know what? yeah. I mean, all the banned <laughs> subjects, like, let's assume that you have complete and total free reign with no repercussions of any kind, socially, economically, anything. I bet, I bet there's like, um, I actually, you know what? I, I don't even know, you know, <laughs> there's no, you know, I, I'm sorry. I don't really have a good answer for you there. Um, <laughs> there has like, there have been topics where I'm like, oh, okay, well, I can't really talk about that because you know oh on youtube you can't talk about war you can't talk about drugs or whatever right but apparently those rules are changing now so i think it's it's opened up and i i will be able to venture into more like mature topics uh pretty soon um i don't know if you guys saw that update um no. yeah what it, did it what did it say nice that, so, like, yeah, they're going to uh yeah like informational channels factual channels um we had we had a guy on Sean Malone from Out of Frame, the YouTube channel uh, that that was about two years ago. We talked about Stranger Things, but his videos do touch on current themes, whether it's political or economic. They're all in movies and TV shows. But by by definition, you kind of have to mention history and things like war and bad things, you know, pandemics and this and that. Um, YouTube is finally realize that they're decent people making non-inflammatory content about those subjects and they won't be demonetized they won't be uh, uh dinged in any way they i think in march they announced that this would happen but i don't think it's in full force yet but yeah that'll that'll help everybody from out of frame all the way to uh the Oki style videos kind of kind of choose their topics as they want to rather than dancing around sensitive issues I got. I gotta say, uh, real quick, uh, Tabor. Um, can you? You can eulogize yeah. me, right? At my funeral. Is that. I mean, that opening <laughs> was really. Oh my God, it was really something. You're talking about like. <laughs> there's like a, a Jesus parallel there, or something. The three. Yeah. <laughs> the three wise men. Am I Jesus? What? <laughs> well, you're a combination. Well, the the alternative. So I was thinking about this, and I was like, if it, if it were a combination of just two, then you can go with with the these two people had a baby angle, you know. But with with three distinct angles, like who's fertilizing who in that scenario? <laughs> um, I mean, hey, Kevin, you answered that question because you were one of them. Like, which which role do you want to play in that one? Oh, which role do I want to play? I what yeah, is the if, third? If you're role? making a a YouTube baby with internet historian and Justin Wang, how how do you want to do this? I don't know. So are two of the sperm spliced together? How does that? I don't know what the biology is that we're following. <laughs> There's got to be some kind of fusion. Let's just say you guys made me in the lab. <laughs> yeah, I'll be the scientist who put who just put it all together. <laughs> uh, that works for me. Three men and an Oki, and and Kevin, you're Ted Danson in that one. By the way, you know who directed Three yeah. Men and a Baby? This is something that surprised me each time oh. I remember this. Uh, Leonard Nimoy, Spock from Star Trek. Whoa! Yeah, really? really? Yeah, 
who directed that movie, which is like just kind of random. What? Yeah. I'm, I'm Googling this to doubly verify. Yeah. Wow. The uh, Guardian article from 2015 confirms it. That's crazy. It's I'm uh, being Ted Danson in that scenario, too. I'd rather be Ted Danson than <laughs> than Tom Selleck Steve or Gutenberg. Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ted well, Danson Wang, is the winner of the three. Wang is Tom Selleck because of mustache. There's no way around it. Uh, and I, I guess that leaves Internet Historian as Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> He's the, yeah, I mean, I think that that that's okay. I think that's okay. He's the funniest one, and uh, well, Ted Danson is funnier than Steve Gutenberg. Well, that's he's just gonna have to deal with Ooh, it. You've you've opened yeah. a can of worms there, Kevin. Yeah. Wait, on which side? On the 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 internet historian Wang side, or on the Steve Gutenberg Ted Danson side? Who's the most upset by this analogy? <laughs> By comparing Wang to Tom Selleck, I think we've guaranteed that he will never come back on this podcast. No, I think he'll be back. He'll he'll want to shoot to yeah, record tomorrow. I think he'd love that. <laughs> like Tom Selleck's kind but of, but yeah, a badass, you really are. Though. No, like well, he is. Magnum PI gets you a lot of street cred through the years, doesn't it? Just that mustache alone. No, yeah. It's, uh, His had that eighty looks power. like clean shaven. Man, I'm looking through like yeah, Google he looks images so much younger without the mustache. Google images of him, and it's just like that kind of shape, 80s, where he's like, you know, there's like press photos, uh, glamour photos, where it's just a, his shirt's open and it just shows the rug on his chest. And yeah, <laughs> this guy, he's all man. That's right. <laughs> Back then, he, all, he was all, a pioneer. Yeah. All of his fans would be like, please fuck my daughter. You know, like that's. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're devolving already but uh back to back to the intro on that you you really are a combination of uh kind of three sets of of channels where you do the the deep dives um you do really extensive research and, uh, and you make it worth watching and make it funny the the gay frogs one is a great example of this because that's a kind of funny topic. There's a lot of science that's quite serious in it. Uh, and you've got to tell a long story with a crazy cast of characters. So I, how did that one come up? How did you begin on on whether our drinking water is turning frogs gay? Oh, okay. So um, huge fan of Alex Jones. I go on band.video almost every single morning. Love to listen to him. He's I find him hilarious. I think he's like uh, probably one of the greatest entertainers um, right now, at least. Um, so I was talking to, um, I was looking for topics at that time. And I was talking to this guy, this war journalist called, uh, Jake Hanrahan. I've, I've had him on my channel before. So we were DMing and I was just like, Hey, have you, have you ever heard anything that might work for my channel? And we're just talking. And like, he, uh, he was like, yeah, he suggested that I talk about this kind of like obscure blog or something. And then it just kind of came to me in the moment. I'm like, I'm going to talk about gay frogs. So yeah, that's pretty much how it started. And then I found this, um, I found this New Yorker uh, article about the scientist Tyrone Hayes. And it, it just seemed so interesting because Tyrone Hayes is kind of like, a, he's such a character and he doesn't seem entirely reliable. Um, and he, and he, and there's, there's so many, if you, if you just look up Tyrone Hayes or you look up gay frogs or atrazine, you're going to find as many articles that say, yes, this is real, as there are that are criticizing his science. 
So I was just like, I want to find the truth of this and I want to kind of dissect Alex Jones, what he said and uh, what he was implying by that. And yeah, so then that it it, it set me on like a four month uh, journey of just reading through EPA reports and, um, you know, looking for scientific articles and, you know, just just a lot of digging. So. That started with Alex Jones giving kind of a throwaway line, right? Like he didn't mm-hmm. do a, a full episode. I, if I remember right, he did like he mentioned it like in a sentence, and it went from there. Is that is that how it happened? So yeah, if you watch my video, it <laughs> he uh, he's pretty much just talking about how all how the leftists and the globalists are trying to, you know, biologically change people. So he's talking about like holograms in the sky and like he's he he just he's listing off headlines on articles and then finally he gets to he doesn't even find an article that says gay frogs he just like he brings it up he's like you think it's funny (laughs) well no you know they're turning the freaking frogs gay you know like um and just like the whole first of all the whole statement there is is it's fundamentally flawed so a lot of people think that like i made a video that um support out Al- what Alex Jones says. I, I it didn't. And I, I say that in my video, I remember like I, I did a live stream one time and some guys like, wow, you really legitimized Alex Jones. And I'm like, no, no, I didn't. Um, but like, if you look at that statement, it's like, they are turning the, the freaking frogs gay. Who are they? You know, there is, there is no nefarious. Right. They, there's no globalist committee. Who's, uh, you know, uh, you know, just, just putting, uh, put like, like they're, uh, fucking uh, dick dastardly and and just like uh putting chemicals in the water and just being like a cartoon villain no there, that doesn't exist it's agricultural agricultural runoff so you use atrazine you apply it to these um cornfields and then what happens is that you, it, it it goes into the water and then and a lot of other chemicals too and it c- creates this chemical soup and it affects the hormones of frogs but not only that it affects a whole a whole litany of other other things it's it's not just that uh in some cases yeah you get frogs that are intersex i mean you you get frogs that um are deformed in in many other ways as well so it's not there there is no direct like cause and effect here right there's there's a whole host of issues with all of these different chemicals and there's no nefarious plot which is what uh alex jones heavily heavily implies and I am here on uh, the, the the TCU podcast to once and for all put an end to people saying that I defended <laughs> Alex Jones. I did not defend Alex Jones. We're going to have Ben edit that out because we just <laughs> want to keep the myth going. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Look at you. Let, let uh, are you sure you're though, not a globalist? Let me ask you, though, because you did start off this talking about really liking him and watching him every day. I don't know if that was a joke or if you're serious, if it's serious. Oh, I love him. Um, okay. Well, why? Because I've never watched his show before, but for people who only have kind of like a tangential idea of who this person is, uh, he's well known for being kind of public enemy number one on social media and being banned everywhere. I do recall years and years ago, like literally probably, Oh, geez. 14 years ago, I remember a friend of mine who was obsessed with listening to his show 
Mm. It really did damage to him because he believed the conspiracy theory stuff, the stuff you're talking about, like the shadowy figure, puppet master pulling the strings uh, stuff. Like he really bought into it in a way that was 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 seriously harmful to him. So uh, just overall, like, what do you think about uh, you taking Alex Jones to be like a a, a a dark comedian, I'm guessing, whereas other people buy into it and and, and it has harmful effects on them. I mean, yeah, of course. I, I think that I can hold both opinions in mind, right? It's not one or the other. Like, I, I am aware that this guy, he, he's he's pushing like a doomsday narrative onto really um, uh, impressionable people and it does cause harm and he's... And he profits off of that, right? So he's he's definitely a grifter in, in that light. But at the same time, he is one of the greatest entertainers of, um, I would say, like the past 20 years. Like this guy, if you ever listen to Alex Jones talk, um, he kind of has like this almost like L. Ron Hubbard. I, I, you guys are familiar with like the Scientology uh, guy, L. Ron Hubbard, right? So like L. Ron oh, Hubbard yeah. used yeah. to write science fiction novels. Um and he was incredibly prolific. He wrote like thousands of science fiction novels and he would come up with these grand narratives and they would all be like, uh, you know, these interdimensional aliens and all these things. And just the language, that kind of pulp language, it feels like Alex Jones somehow has always been tapped into being able to just make that shit up on the fly. Like, I think he would have been a great pulp novelist because you listen to him talk and he and he he he's going off about fucking Molochs and uh, uh, vampiric, <laughs> parasitic, uh, you know, uh, child predators and just the adjectives and verbs that he uses and, and, and the strings, the string of words that he uses. He is he is a wordsmith when it comes to crazy shit. So I just listen to him and it's like music to my ears. The way he's able to just make that shit up on on the fly, it, it really is. Um, I, I I really hope that people like if listen to what I'm saying. Go listen to like an episode and any episode. If he's fucking hungover, he got like three hours of sleep the previous night. He's still gonna be able to nail that shit. Uh, he's really good at that, <laughs> and I, I really uh, I almost have like like a twisted respect for for his ability to do that. He is so, a grinder. I mean, he's been he's been pushing this hard for. A very long time. And I remember installing Winamp on an old notebook almost 20 years ago. And at the time it had Winamp TV and there there really was no streaming at all of any kind back then. And that was one of the first things. And there was a, there was like a, a prison planet Alex Jones channel that just streamed conspiracy documentaries 24 hours a day. Uh, he's he's really been doing this a long long time it is strange that like within so even five years ago conspiracy theories they seemed harmless but i guess because of the way that there's a narrative that's pushed now that like it's uh it is like extremely dangerous but if you really think about it who who are the people who who get into it right so a lot of them are like, like i said very impressionable or schizophrenic right or they have some other mental illness um it's funny that like we've gone so long where like something like the history channel existed on just 
pushing the stupidest conspiracy theories for the past, like, what, like 10 years? No one batted an eye. But now it's like, with the rise of Trump, we're all we're all doomed because of these conspiracy QAnon people who are just going to, like, you know, <laughs> they're going to kill people and they're going to do domestic terrorism. And yes, that happens. But at the same time, it's, I don't know if conspiracy theories are as dangerous as, as it's being posited. Um, I still think they're funny. I, I, I enjoy them. Uh, I mean, the, one of the things that I hate about conspiracy theories these days is that you look them up and I'm just, I'm just looking to just have fun and, and hear some crazy shit. And what happens is that uh, it's all political, you know? And, and I feel like once you mix the politics in it, then it gets really fucking boring, you know? Mm. Um, it stops being a standalone story then. And once it's weaving into reality, well, yeah, that, that, takes a little bit of the fun out of it. Yeah. It's all it's all s- steeped in this kind of especially now you look at the QAnon people they're all obsessed with like the pedophiles and oh Hillary Clinton is going to what she's eating the she's harvesting the adrenochrome of babies and it's just boring and it's fucking lame. It's it's stupid and <laughs> lame. I I want to hear about ancient aliens, man. So I want bring that back. I don't remember I'm trying to think back to the video because it, it was a little while ago when you put this out. Um, but what was the explanation given for why they, the the mysterious they, were trying to make frogs gay? Like, what was the ultimate purpose for putting the atrazine in the water? Oh, the way that Alex Jones said it? Yeah, like, what were the, okay, what is so, the so, driver that the conspiracy so the theorists way, What Alex Jones was trying to do is he's trying to freak people out and be like, yeah, all your kids are going to turn gay because, look, the, the frogs are turning gay. There's no evidence that they're turning gay. You know, there's, <laughs> there are frogs that they're having, they have, uh, they become intersex, some of them, not all the time. There's plenty mm. of studies that show this. So it's endocrine disruption is what's happening. So it's disrupting the hormones, but it's not, I don't I don't think that there's like right before he even talks about that, he's talking about the gay bomb, you know, the gay bomb, baby. Oh, yes. Yeah. Right. And yeah, that it's just he's just trying to freak his audience out who are all homophobic. Right. So they're all freaked out about that. And then you bring kids into the mix. That's going to freak the fuck out of these types of people. Right. And it's all theater. That's what he was doing. That's what he he does. And um, in the gay bomb, that was that was the. Uh, claimed U.S. military research into well, like a, did, yeah. a sound wave kind of thing that would that would uh, make opposing soldiers stop wanting to fight and start wanting to do other things in the trenches. Yeah, so they did do that. They looked into that. that. But I mean, the the, the fucking in, in the fifties, the <laughs> the plenty of agencies in in, in uh, especially like. Um, you know, the army or the CIA or the FBI, they looked into a bunch of stupid mm-hmm. shit like dolphins with lasers on their heads and, <laughs> you know, right. pigeons that can shoot poisonous darts. Like they, they looked into a whole bunch of things that I remember one time that uh, there's one plot that they tried to um, get one of Fidel Castro's um, uh, cigars and to, to put dynamite in it. So it blows up and kills him. So, I mean, they, they looked into a whole bunch of stuff, and especially in the 50s. Like they think, well, if all the soldiers turn gay, then they can't they can't carry a gun because they're they're sissies. <laughs> like it's that, that kind of 1950s thinking. Where it's like, well, they're going to be there are a lot of assumptions in time, all of you know, like, I don't know. There's just it's <sighs> yeah. You know, that's the like the 1950s. Uh, I don't know. You know, but I don't know why they would think that 
I, I remember there was some explanation why it's like why they wanted to develop a gay bomb. And I think it was to disrupt the enemy combatants. But I don't know how making them gay yeah. will disrupt their ability to shoot a gun or, you know, fulfill their <laughs> duties as a soldier. I, I don't I don't see any uh, correlation between those things. But, you know, anyway, it does rest on a whole bunch of assumptions and dominoes falling exactly in a certain way. <laughs> It's like, yeah, and that's kind of like uh, what I look for a lot when I'm doing these videos, like that kind of Saturday morning cartoon thinking. It's just so funny to me. Well, there's Kevin, do you remember? Uh, I forget which video we were looking at, um, but it was it was one of the math videos and it was about statistical aberrations. Do you remember the thing about the, the power lines causing health problems? Do you remember that mm, example? Mm, I there wish was, that I did. I don't No, I don't remember that at all. There was some, I think it was in Australia where, you know, they, they do a study saying, does living near or under power lines cause, you know, cause problems? Well, they measured like 800 possible problems, all these different types of, of cancers. It just, it was tons of them. And the, the result they got was like, yeah, living under power lines has clearly you know, shows that you're at risk for, you know, developing X, Y, and Z. Well, the problem is that they measured so many things that it was statistically probable that a couple of them were going to be outliers, that they were going to jack crazy stats yeah. because, you know, if, if one in a thousand things seriously deviate from the expected outcome and you measure a thousand, well, you know, one or two of them is going to be out there. Uh, and it's one of those things where you look at that data and it seems extremely compelling, but there's a plausible explanation for why it's it's really not the case. And I, I wonder about that with the conspiracy stuff where there are elements to it um, that that are compelling enough to make the the non uh, fringe people buy into it. Uh, and I, I wondered if what you thought, if if any of them were true, like if you had to choose one that you think is real and compelling is there any are you asking me or are you asking kevin yeah yeah you're asking me okay uh if there's anything yeah, exactly. that's true and compelling uh, yeah well, i think that like the ufo stuff is pretty uh reasonable at this point i mean you have the doj and they released these you know um i think there was like two videos ufo videos and then just recently like three weeks ago there was another ufo video that was released by the u.s military but going back, actually, there's something that um, I was really interested in what you were talking about. So there's so many different things in the environment that like that if you if you look at one thing like a power line, for example, you're going to have so many different elements that all contribute to something. And you can do a study and you can and you can be like, oh, well, the power lines are causing cancer, but oh, it could also be mm -hmm. like a litany of other things. But at the same time, you have to understand that everything in our environment is toxic. So, so this is something that a toxicologist I was talking to when I was making gay frogs. Uh, video told me it's like everything is toxic what the question is is how much and does it outweigh its benefits right so if the toxicity outweighs the benefits that we get from this thing well that is part of being that is that is something that you have to deal with in modern society because everything fucking causes cancer these days so you know ketchup mm -hmm. causes cancer you know you can't you can't just wrap yourself up in bubble wrap and and hope that you, you don't you don't interact with something just because you read a headline saying it causes cancer. You can write a headline about fucking everything causing cancer, right? So 
I think that's what people need to be aware of. Um, and uh, yeah, the 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 benefits should outweigh the uh, the negatives of of something, right? Or the at, or the or the adverse mm-hmm. effects of something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wanted to go back a second to talk about the conspiracy stuff and just get both of your guys take on um uh, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this but but essentially you know we can talk and laugh about um Alex Jones making these remarks and ha 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 he's he's a clown um and it doesn't bother us but if but I wonder to to what degree like the to put it to put it how you just put it, like the adverse effects of this guy outweigh the benefits of it being funny to the types of people who think it's funny. Now, I'm not saying um, I know the answer to this because because I don't and I don't know much about him. But but clearly, like all of the tech uh, leaders have decided that the adverse effects outweigh the benefits of it being like entertaining and hilarious and him being a wordsmith. Um I'd love to hear both of your thoughts on that and, and what and what would be ex- an example, if any, of somebody worse than him doing, you know, real damage through their mm. broadcasting, let's say. Well, I mean, like ISIS would be so like when if you want to talk about it, like I, I, I think that ISIS videos should be the platform beheading videos. ISIS propaganda, the kind of shit that gets kids to go to Syria to fight uh, for the caliphate, should be should be deplatformed and banned, right? But at the mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I don't I don't know if Alex Jones. I think Alex Jones is just like a, a symptom of a, of a larger problem, but I don't know if that that problem is as severe as as the mainstream media and and also um, as uh, the tech giants Silicon Valley makes it out makes them out to be. Mm-hmm. What about people who really, truly believe stuff that turns out to be wildly wrong and destructive? Like, I think that that's, that's their prerogative. I mean, we, uh, you look in your country. I'm Canadian, right? But And we also have this here. We, we have freedom of religion, right? And you do as well. A lot of things. If you're a Jehovah Witness, for example, I mean, uh, it's, it's your right to deny your kids uh, blood transfusions if you... Even if they have a severe medical disorder, it's um, it's it's a huge problem. But you know, we we have to realize that there are going to people, there are going to be people who you know prescribe to certain beliefs. And I mean, you can't you can't control everybody. You can't uh, you can't babysit people. You know, um, well to that extent. Yeah, the, I mean, the thing, the the example that that's coming up in my head is a hybrid of a lot of the things we're talking about. So. Um, uh, I got to get the first name right. Trefim, I think. Trefim Lysenko. Uh, you get this phrase Lysenkoism in in biology and genetics. And Trefim Lysenko uh, directed agriculture in the Soviet Union in the 30s and 40s. And he completely and totally rejected genetics of all kinds. And he thought that um, that plants were like people in the sense that you could expose them to harsh conditions. They would learn to tolerate those conditions, and then their offspring would be prepared to deal with those conditions. Mm-hmm. So in terms of agriculture, that meant like subjecting plants to freezing temperatures, even though they shouldn't. And uh, they, 
you know, if they live through it and learn to tolerate it, then cuttings from those plants, seeds from those plants will have inherited those characteristics. This is complete bullshit in every possible way. Um, and the, you know, Stalin and, and the Soviet Union totally lied about crop yields and they said this is a tremendous success. Well, what actually happened was was shocking in terms of how poorly uh, the union was able to, <laughs> to pull value out of its land. Uh, even with massive increases in acreage, they were getting even less out of it because of these bullshit theories. Um, that killed a lot of people. That killed many, many, many people in uh, in terms of famine and food supply and probably uh, sickness that was a result of weird diets and malnutrition. Uh, Alex Jones probably doesn't kill anybody. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like if, if he, he pushes Pizzagate, um, you know, there might be some problems from that on a very small scale. But a guy who who lied about whether corn could tolerate cold, um, that killed hundreds of thousands, if not more. Yeah. So I have trouble figuring out, you know, who the problem is, uh, who, who the real conspiracy damaging people are. I think that I just can't shake this information is always going to be an issue. And like you said, there's there, like what, your example is just so much more severe than any, any effects of what, Alex Jones has put out into the world. And I can't believe I, I'm on this podcast defending Alex Jones because I don't want to defend Alex Jones. <laughs> Alex Jones is an unconscionable <laughs> bastard who uh, grifts for a living and um, pretty much just uses mental, mentally ill people uh, and freaks them out so they can buy his products, so they can, they can prepare for the time that the globalist takeover happens, right? And the FEMA camps are mm -hmm. uh, all set up and ready to take their kids. Like, this is the, the, he is, this is a guy who starts, like, for the past year, all of his broadcasts start with a siren. It's an emergency broadcast. It starts with this wailing siren. And he, this is, this is what, this is the narrative that he's pushing onto people. And it's all because he wants to profit off of it. Um, and, so I don't want to defend this guy, but at the same time, I kind of like him. <laughs> I kind of like what he does. I kind of <laughs> like that he exists and I find him funny. So I, like I said well, earlier, I think that I can exist um, holding these two separate things in mind. You know, Matt, what your story reminds me of is, um, did you see the Netflix documentary? I think it's called The Pharmacist, the guy who took on the Oxycontin, like, oh, yeah. Uh, it reminds good. me. It reminds me of that, where these <laughs> people, the, the, the people making oxycontin, and and then subsequently the people just just handing it out like candy, literally killed. Yeah. I don't even know how many people. How many people oh. died of the of overdoses based <sighs> upon well, that? It's still ongoing. Yeah, I mean, in in places like where I live, the uh, opioid epidemic is a very real thing. Um, yeah, and I, you know, I know several people who've had their lives negatively affected by something that they probably shouldn't have had back then, but now definitely would not be dis not be prescribed. And let me ask you something: Will mainstream media and Silicon Valley people deplatform Purdue Pharma? No, they won't, because <laughs> they're all yeah. they're all involved with them financially. 
Alex Jones is is like, you know, he's I'm sure he's he's a relatively wealthy man, but he does have a very comparative to something like Purdue. Like he's not he doesn't have the like the Washington, D.C. clout that they have. He doesn't have the lobbyists on their side. He doesn't have all these. Even though they're the ones who who, who killed like millions of people um, and ruined lives mm-hmm. and, and completely wiped out towns and cities. Um, these are people with their board of executives walk off scot-free. They, they, in fact, they, they end up becoming part of Washington, DC. That's the sickness of America. I think, um, especially it's just, um, the, the, where it's the corporations and, and, you know, people who really don't care about anything other than profits and how they become intertwined with, um, with, with the political establishment. And how they get um, positions on um, uh, in, in like a, a different, um, like Obama, for example, or, or Trump. They, these are the people who are hired um, to to lead agencies, to be on his chief the chiefs of staff. Um, that's that's it's it's a real sickness, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It definitely seems like we we tend to focus on the weirdest things when when I was watching your. Um, channel earlier today. And um, I was thinking about stories that I know about that I feel like, you know what, if, if, if Vsauce 2 really was like Kevin's weird stories, one, <laughs> one, one thing that freaks me out, okay, that nobody talks about is the recycling industry. So uh, I don't know if anybody yeah. has read any NPR and Frontline put out this like years long piece yeah. only a few months ago yeah. that no one I have ever seen talk about, which just lists like the origins of the idea of recycling dating back to the companies who make plastics, um, realizing that people felt bad about plastics being so harmful for the environment so they were like oh okay well we'll just create this idea of recycling and you guys won't feel so bad buying all this plastic stuff so it goes through like how they created the recycling industry and like the blue bins and you return the thing here and blah 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 knowing full well that I think less than 10% yeah. of plastic is is even viable it's scientifically <laughs> for recycling. Yeah, yeah. Like you can't just melt it down and turn it into like a, a new Pepsi bottle. It doesn't work. And you know what they do to that 90% that they can't recycle? They send it to third world countries to be burnt. There's a whole industry <laughs> just right. sending it to these. Yeah. Like they send it to the Philippines or they send it to Kenya or whatever. And it just... Those countries buy or uh, are paid to, to to take it and they burn it. That's what they do. It's an efficient efficient way to dispose of it. <laughs> yeah, and, and and nobody seems to care. It's, like I I know how important so many people that I know personally, colleagues of mine, take environmental issues. It's a, and I don't know. We mm, just collectively yeah. throw our hands up about this recycling thing being a farce it's a fundamentally unsexy topic it's just something that people don't like they couldn't be fucked about like you know watching a pbs documentary about recycling you know they don't people don't have enough time in the day 
to be freaked out about all of the world's problems. And you get into that but mindset. But they have enough time in the day to pound their chest and celebrate the fact that they recycle. They no, I don't know like if there's that many people who are literally pounding their chests and celebrating it. I think that people have accepted oh. it as something that they're supposed to do, like just like turning off the lights or whatever. But at the same time, I don't know if there's anybody that passionate about it, right? They just think this is the right thing to do. <sighs> it's It's a very easy thing to like, virtue signal about but i I don't know if anybody's like that um wrapped up in it (laughs) i i uh i I remember living in a place that i don't i don't want to dox this state you know but but they have things like vidcons there and disney's and and, okay well you just gave it away (laughs) all sorts of things like that um but they mandated this this spot that i lived in mandated that you separate your your stuff to the nth degree you know it was like color-coded uh receptacles for like five different things oh dude that's and uh that's like here in toronto too like uh i'm in i'm in toronto ontario right and okay i i I just try and fucking throw shit out and i have to look at a guide to like know what what goes into what I have three different bins. So, <laughs> well, I, well, I I was kind of late at you know rushing to get it out by the deadline. You know when they were going to pick it up, and I got there right when they were picking it up. And the guy just took all five of the bins and dumped them in the same truck. Yeah, and it, I, I, when that happened, I was like, I've seen people meticulously sorting these things out just so they can get thrown in literally the same trash compactor. And I thought, what is, what is happening? Well, we get, we get Why warnings is thing? And, and sometimes fines here. So, so we'll be warned if, if, if your, if your stuff isn't, so we have different trucks that come for different bins. We get warned if we, if we well, fuck it up. <laughs> I have a question about kind of the double, uh, unless Kevin, did you have more on recycling? Yeah. I just wanted to say that I do recycle and like, I'm not a, against it what i have a problem with is just i hate it that well i understand why you know (laughs) you're saying it's not a sexy topic because nobody wants to admit that it has huge fundamental flaws and nobody wants to admit that if the origins for it were under dubious circumstances like it, it reminds me of campaigns that like the tobacco industry does uh you know it's like, oh, smoking is bad. But anyway, it's we have to do this, but buy cigarettes anyway. It's it's like it's almost the same thing where it's like, oh, you feel bad about plastics. We'll just uh, recycle it. And then you will live in this story that we're kind of telling you where, you know, your plastic egg carton will be rebirthed as a soda bottle. And then that will be <laughs> rebirthed as like a backpack. But it's it's not true. I mean, and it's imagine uh, weird. Imagine putting the onus on just random citizens when you have multi-billion-dollar corporations who are fracking. Who like you look at the BP oil spills. You you have these companies that are they're the ones who are fucking things up, and they're the ones who own regulatory uh, agencies. And they're the ones who have the money to lobby. And to get their things passed, the EPA is a fucking joke. It was a joke when Obama was was yes. was in office, and and it's and it was even more of a joke when Trump was in office because Trump he was like talking about bringing back mercury, like you know, let's let's burn mercury, like that. That's how far it went with Trump. But like the the people who who run the EPA for since I I think since like the Clinton administration, um. Actually, by the way, it was Richard Nixon who started the EPA. 
And it kind of worked for a while until it changed under Ronald Reagan. But like under Clinton, Obama, Bush and Trump, what you see is the people who are running the EPA are these Fortune 500 company uh, former CEOs who were all like they ran agrochemical companies or they ran, um, uh, you know, uh, fracking companies. These are the people who are invested and they have they have um, peers who are willing to give them money or to uh, peddle their influence in order to get this person who's running the EPA to just push their thing through the regulatory system without any um, checks and balances. So you pretty much, it's like, <laughs> you, just, you just gave it to them, right? That's, that's what happened. And I don't understand how that system could be in place and no one realizes that maybe they do realize this but it seems like no one realizes is that realizes the conflicts of interest in place when you give these these CEOs of these of these uh energy companies um just free reign uh it's uh it's ridiculous i think yeah all of this kind of adds up into into an issue that that i know we we noted here to talk about uh kevin just mentioned tobacco companies. And and I think that's a really interesting example of pretty much everything we've talked about so far because um you have you have the misleading companies that spent a lot of years and a lot of money manipulating uh the science about how harmful smoking was, how uh, addictive nicotine was. Um you also have people on the other side who have overreacted a bit. We got some pretty bad science about the threat of, of secondhand smoke. Um, that was, it, it was like the worst thing in the world in, in the eighties. Like I remember things in school in the eighties and nineties where it was like, if, if a parent, you know, smokes a cigarette in a car and a child is in the back seat, that child would be dead before they get home. Like it, it was weirdly grim uh, and, and turned out not to be, nearly the threat that that it seemed it's not like it's a good thing people who have conditions like asthma certainly suffer from poor air quality um places like casinos have installed monstrous air filtration systems um not just for the guests but for employees you know if you're a, a blackjack dealer uh you can secondhand smoke about 98 cartons a day um but but both sides have played kind of fast and loose with with the truth. What do you do? What do you do when that's the case? When there's some important issue that affect, that affects a lot of people and it's difficult to know what reality is because both sides are that's exaggerating. That's a fantastic question. So that's the issue with activism in general. So so you have two sides of the extreme. So you have someone who's has an ideological bent on eradicating a certain phenomenon in society, an activist. And then you have someone who is so stuck on the profit motivation, uh, which is the company who manufactures something like cigarettes, right? So then you have two people on um, polar ends of the, uh, of, of the spectrum, right? Um, activists, the issue with a lot of them is they tend to exaggerate almost as much as uh, companies. So your example about secondhand smoke, mm -hmm. I don't know about the science about, of secondhand smoke. Um, before you even brought that up, I, I, I haven't really thought about it that much. Um, other than to say, listen, kids, smoke, 
Smoking's good for you. Popeye smoked cigarettes and he ate spinach. I'm fucking with you. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, no, but in all, in all honesty, um, I think that that's, that is the fundamental flaw with activism and activists in general is they, uh, they are very prone to exaggeration. How do you tell those stories in a YouTube video, though? Because aren't you going to aren't you going to kind of kind of piss off a, a lot of people on either side? Like if you make that recycling thing, um, that video, if people are going to internalize that and feel attacked. I remember uh, there's a program in the U.S. called Head Start. It's a federal program that is kind of like a preschool thing for uh, generally underprivileged uh, kids. The gains from Head Start, uh, they seem to have evened out by about second grade. And uh, research came out about this. It's hotly debated, but I find that argument compelling. And I mentioned this to a woman who was involved in, in her local Head Start program, and she burst into tears. She really took it personally, like it was the most offensive thing that I had ever said uh to her yeah you know and the whole time i'd known her and, and i was it was it was just like i look at that and think hey if it's not happening uh, the way you think it is well that you need to make some tweaks like you want to know this so that you can do it better but she took it as invalidating her, her life what her, her life life's stood work. for exactly yeah so yeah it hits it hits a chord with her where it's like this is what i've yeah like my it was her life's work i think that there are like you can't make something for everybody, right? So the other day I had, because mm-hmm. uh, like in my Jacob Wall video, I talked about grifters and then I showed uh, Sargon of Akkad and uh, Milo Yiannopoulos. Yep. And I had a Patreon person DM me and be like, hey, I really like your content, but I can't believe you did that. It really rubbed me the wrong way. And I'm like, dude, I can't, I can't placate to everybody. Like my opinions <laughs> are going to be in this thing, right? And Look, I think that even opposite, uh, separate from that, the woman you're talking about, for example, she's not someone who is ready to hear that because what happens with people when they hear something that invalidates something like their life's work is they go through a process called cognitive dissonance. And that is something that really, it, 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 it causes trauma to people. It causes extreme stress. So when they go through that, um, you just can't ex- expect someone going through something like that to be rational uh, and to hear you out. All they see is an enemy. There's this weird thing that happens with people that I've noticed is, say, you know, we're in a less civilized society. If you have a difference of opinion on certain things, especially something that really strikes a chord with people, they might honestly be willing to kill you because you have that difference of opinion. It reminds me when I was in, for example, Zambia, I was staying with my cousins. And uh, personally, like I'm an atheist, right? And I mentioned that I was really young, and I mentioned that to all my cousins who are fundamentally, like you know, uh, Muslim. And they attacked me. Mm-hmm. They pinned me down, and they got mad. I, they physically yeah, attacked vitriolic you rage because I mentioned wow. that, right? So there are certain things that people are just not ready for. Can't you can't get everybody with the things that you put out. But the, you get, you, I think that what people aim for is the people who are kind of open for that bridge over towards like your perception of things. And like, like, you know, and I, I am someone that genuinely believes that no one totally knows the right answer to um, a lot of these um, like ideas. Right. So there are some things that are objective, but there's way more things that aren't. And um, 
well, you got to, it's, it's all persuasion. And some people are ready mm-hmm. to be um, persuaded and others aren't. Yeah. I was going to say that, you know, everybody lives in a story or really a lot of stories. Who knows how many stories we all like play out and, and live within. And Matt, you, you basically told the lady from the head start that her story was wrong. And and you don't know what no, to I do didn't with mean that. No, no, no. I'm not saying you yeah. meant to. Of course yeah. not. Um, but <laughs> yeah. that's what happened. And, and she doesn't know what to do with that information. And I feel the same way with the the recycling thing, where we are in this story that this is like an important thing to save the environment and blah 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 blah. And if you say, hey, like this was you know started by these plastics companies uh, as a way to get you to buy more plastic. People would just throw their hands up and say, well, I don't know what to do with that information. I don't know. I can't change my story now. And if I were to change my story, what would I change it to? It it reminds me going back. I've told this story on this podcast before about the encounter I had where I naively was uh, explaining to someone about how step counters are, uh, the the idea of like 10,000 steps a day is just this made up marketing thing uh, that's like an accidental number um, based on no science whatsoever. And the pushback I got, which I thought was like a fun anecdote, like, hey, did you know that 10,000 steps a, th- a day is is made up and, and based on nothing? It that That's what happened. It was the same situation where it was like, well, what do you mean? Uh, well, I, I think you don't think it's good. You don't think it's healthy to 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 do 10,000 steps a day. And I'm like, oh, OK, I didn't realize I was like piercing the veil of your story about how you're like <laughs> dedicated to these 10,000 steps a day and how how, yeah, that cognitive dissonance kicks in. And now like I'm a jerk and I felt like a jerk. I felt like a jerk for yeah, like like imparting a bit, like a tiny bit of trivia that I had learned recently. And now all of a sudden I'm a jerk. You know, who's really um, phenomenal at creating, crafting these kind of like narratives and using like pop science to um, uh, bolster them is, is a guy named Malcolm Gladwell. I don't know if you guys are familiar with. Oh yeah. Yeah. So right. he, that's he like wrote that blink and uh, that's like his, tipping point. his, his yeah. bread and butter is like the 10,000 hour rule. To become an expert, you have to spend yes, right. 10,000 hours in a certain craft, which is a completely arbitrary number. And, the, you know, the idea that it, it takes, yes, I am at uh, uh, 9,999 hours. One one more hour that I'm going to hit, I'm going to become an expert. You know, completely disregarding the idea of like, you know, <laughs> having a mentor or, you know, uh, studying the craft or figuring things out in a way that um, typically, you know, experts actually have to go through. It's like, oh, yeah, I spent 10,000 hours reading uh, medical books and now I'm a doctor, you know, (laughs) independent of any kind of schooling. That 10,000 hour rule thing. But for some reason, people use that as uh, it's like a biblical message for some people. It's like, yes, I only need to fulfill those 10,000 hours. God, it kind of reminds me of like this kind of um, thinking that some people have. I I noticed it, especially like within my generation and, and, you know, Zoomers as well, where it's like the idea that uh, it's almost like gamifying your life. Like you just have to, you have to grind out so many hours to get your, what you need. 
level up. It's just, it, but it's yeah. it's all arbitrary, and it's just a story to tell yourself. And it, it's, you know, I I can see it as being beneficial. Work hard, spend this much hours, put the time in, mm-hmm. you'll get to where you sure. want to get to. But the idea that this, it could be worse, yeah. But the the idea that this is anything but a story to tell yourself is ridiculous. Kevin, I want to dox some of your thoughts and and work here. I'm actually going to double dox you. Okay. Okay. Um, Did you release the the TikTok about Popeye? Is that one out yet? Uh, The one about spinach being a lie? Yeah. I don't think it's out yet, but uh, you can can spoil it for our listeners. Yeah. Spoilers, TikTok, Vsauce 2 TikTok fans. Um, Two things happened in the last couple weeks that that really combined to throw my mind for a loop. They're totally unrelated, but the first one is um, the the myth that spinach had a lot of iron in it and, and would make you strong and healthy. It turns out that uh, in the original research about spinach, a decimal place, a decimal was in the wrong place, and it was off by a factor of 10. <laughs> and nobody bothered to question this or figure it out until the 70s spinach is loaded with very good things it's awesome it is nutritionally dense it's it's just a banging vegetable as far as those things go but that claim that popeye was based on is complete bullshit um (laughs) yeah it's it's nuts and you think well look a hundred years uh and and this just went on and how many people how many people believed it how many people made mundane purchases based on it uh it made its way into entertainment into how kids think about just look the effects of spiderweb here is is crazy over this my my grandpa would literally tell me a story about a guy that he was in the army with who would eat an a a spinach sandwich for lunch every day and he was like the strongest guy in the army That's a real story that that my grandpa told me when I was yeah. like I don't know four or five. <laughs> that reminds me yeah. of like well, the nobody, yeah. the milk calcium myth, where apparently like so you drink enough milk, and I mean it, it goes back to what I was talking about earlier about like yeah everything is toxic. There's uh, benefits uh-huh. and adverse risks, but like you know the high protein count. There's other studies that say yeah this can cause osteoporosis. So it's like, but there's this myth, (laughs) it's like it causes strong bones and I don't know, you know, it is funny that like a lot of these, um, kind of, I I kind of almost think about them like wives tales, you know, I I don't know if you're familiar with that term wives tale. It's, it's, it's kind of like that, you know, it's just this thing that it gets passed around throughout culture and it's like, and it could, it also can seem like ridiculous, like something like milk. I, I, I wonder like. If there's other cultures that hear that and just like, oh, well, that sounds really stupid. But in North America, it works like, you know, you you hear about like (laughs) Korean fan death, like Koreans believe that like if you have a fan on your desk and you fall asleep, you can die. Like that's a myth that's Mm -hmm. being it that was um, propagated in South Korea. It's it's just this kind of ridiculous thing that just, you know, it's like this game of telephone slash wives tale thing that. Yeah, it propagates and it spreads and it's probably bullshit. And it's too good to check along the way. Like, I mean, look, if somebody tells you that there's a ton of iron in spinach, which, by the way, there are elements of spinach that make iron absorption even harder. 
So it's not only wrong, it's like wrong in the opposite way. Uh, but you don't hear a spinach iron statistic and and think, I'm going to be skeptical about that. Let's get to the, the real truth <laughs> and I will triple check this. Re- no, you just you're like, oh, OK, yeah, and go along with it. But that was the first part. The second part that I wanted to dox. And I, Kevin, I don't know if you're willing to talk about this yet because there may very well be some future work in it. Mm-hmm. But you were talking the other day with me about comments you get on videos with probability um oh yeah about people having trouble distinguishing uh the nuances of probability uh in in reducing it to things like two outcomes like a binary outcome um Mm. are are you okay with talking about this yeah yeah i think so i don't think uh, any of our listeners will usurp the idea or anything like that but (laughs) i think we could still make the video but um yeah this is not a new thing i've been doing um you know probability videos for a while now and i always get this comment that essentially boils down to there like there is no such thing as probability um aside from 50 50 like a thing either happens or doesn't so like if you're shooting hoops the ball either goes in the hoop or it doesn't. So the chances that you shoot a three-pointer and you make it are 50-50, okay? Clearly that's absurd or else everyone in the NBA or, I, or, or else I could be in the NBA because like I would have the same chances as, as Steph Curry of like draining three-pointers <laughs> because we'd both be 50% shooters. Um, so obviously this is, this is wrong um, because it's confusing the outcome of a situation with the probability of it happening. Those are not the same thing. But for some reason, people conflate the two and just turn it into an amalgam of one set of odds, which is it either happens or it doesn't. And I think that there are a lot of weird things going on in people's brains and how they like parse information that I think we could think about at least to some degree with that confusion. Because to me, that seems like not a hard thing to understand. Like if you have, take the shell game, okay? So the shell game, you, you have three shells on a table and under one of them, you know, is a quarter and you have to choose one of the three shells, well, your odds of picking the one with the quarter under it are clearly one in three, (laughs) not 50-50, because there are, it's one out of three. That is a different percentage. Um, But yeah, for whatever reason, it's prevalent. This is not like the odd remark over the years. It's all the time. And the people who leave this comment are so confident in their like mm-hmm. ownage of me that they're kind of going out of their way to, you know, do that. Um, actually thing. Mm. And I'm like, um, actually you are really wrong about this in a, like a very simple and fundamental way. <laughs> Don't you just hate that? And Oki, I, I want to throw this to you. I want to combine it all and throw it to you. Oki. This is, so this is what happened like in the same week, the week that you, that you agreed to come on. We booked you a few weeks ago. Um, that's when, when all of these things happen in the same week, it made for a terrible week. Uh, and I, well, other than the guest book and that was pretty sweet, but, um, yeah, the, the dissonance and, and mind screwing really added up. And I, I was thinking, okay, we've got this guy who, who does these deep, deep dives, uh, gets to 
really gets to the bottom of, of both sides. Um, what do you do when you've got the one side that is minimizing something? They're exaggerating in one way. The opposite side is over-exaggerating. Um, you can't really trust that. Then you've got the Popeye-level things where people make honest mistakes that don't get questioned. Uh, and then you have all of these people who who have kind of a limited, uh, narrow, not limited, but but narrow conception of how to process information. How can you figure anything complex out? So that's how how can anything so, get processed? So like with my um my gay frogs video, for example, I mean, that's why I talk to people who are directly involved with the EPA risk assessment. So I talked to the guy who ran the 2012 EPA risk assessment. I talked to um mm-hmm. People who are colleagues with Tyrone Hayes, the scientist who Alex Jones was citing. I talked to experts, um, and that's where I felt comfortable with being able to put what I put out into the world. So, like, I really did my due diligence. Like, I made sure that you know I I dotted my eyes and crossed my t's, um, and talked to experts mm-hmm. and looked at the EPA reports and uh, looked for the most objective. Uh, sources. Um, there is always going to be a narrative with the way that people present things. Um, it goes back to where we're talking about things that are sexy, not sexy topics that that uh, that are. I mean, and you know, some people want to have a fun narrative that you know people can accept, or a wild narrative like the the frogs are turning gay because of the globalists or whatever. But at the end of the day, things are far more nuanced nuanced than. Um, than any of that. And I, and I would suggest that anybody who listens to this podcast really be wary of bite-sized science or bite-sized ideas that are very easy to comprehend mm. and take in and accept because nothing is that simple. Things are nuanced and difficult to grasp. And that's why you have people who devote their whole lives to studying a cer- certain phenomena in a certain uh, uh, field, never that simple. How many papers have you read, Kevin? Where the uh, the blurb in the press release is is just radically different from the actual thing? I know we've mentioned that before. Oh, it's it's constant. It's constant. It kills yeah. me. I did a whole video about junk science, and there there so there are a few there are levels to problems with with junk science and with science funding. And with getting good science right there, and I'm not even the, the the person to to speak about this, like by any stretch of the imagination. There are people a million times more qualified than I, but like in a very cursory way, one of the problems is, yeah, like pop science creating some sort of headline that's like eating dark chocolate helps you lose weight. Oh, I hate that. It's like, okay, really? <laughs> I don't think that that's true. And then it's like, mm, no, it's not true. This is <laughs> like that study was literally fabricated by um, an angry scientist to prove that they could get something published by, you know, some schlocky media uh, company and, and would run with the headline because they know people will click on it. So that's the thing. It's like, People, you know, that industry runs on advertisements and they run on clicks. So the headlines got to be compelling. So it's like, oh, coffee gives you cancer. Coffee will 
coffee drinkers live longer. You know, it's all this contradictory yeah. stuff all the time that, yeah, Oki's completely right that everyone's first line of defense for any of those headlines should be, ah, I don't know about that. <laughs> like It should be like a huge, <laughs> a, a huge hammer of skepticism um, right away. But there's also stuff that like you talk about in the frog video where scientists can get bullied by people with a lot of influence and with a lot of money and they can make science that they don't want out there kind of go away and not talked about and ignored. Um, and that's a big problem too. Um, or, you know, science research is, is based upon grants and getting funding to do your studies. And if, if nobody wants to fund the thing that you're trying to study, well, you have no ability to do so. So you're also, you know, scientists are heavily um, influenced, like naturally, by having to kind of cater to what sort of things to study that will actually get them funding to do so. So yeah. I, there's no like easy way to solve any of this because it's so complex and so... so there are so many moving parts. So I think that, um, so there is like, you're, you're, yeah, you're a hundred percent right. Um, so the people, I don't know how many people realize that they're, how political, uh, science is and, you know, just being able to do certain studies and, you know, it's, it's funny that Tyrone Hayes, who's, um, you know, uh, the, um, gay frog scientist, right. Um, the reason he was able to do his initial studies where he found his study uh, findings was because he was working for Sagenta, the company that produces atrazine, which is the chemical that Alex Jones is talking about that turns the frogs gay. So he was working for them, right? And he found these findings, and then they were like, they wanted to bury it, and um, he took the noble route, and he, he decided to publish them anyway and re-verify them. And there was a whole uh, kerfuffle because he didn't meet these... Um, industry standards right so they um they have these standards and because of those standards uh the epa threw out every single study except for the sagenta the company that hired uh tyrone hayes initially they threw out every single study except for his, uh the, the studies done by sagenta um because they didn't meet these protocols uh, good laboratory uh process uh protocols is what they're called but it, I mean, it's just, uh, it, like I say in my video, it, it, it is pretty much a way to just um, <laughs> manipulate the science so that what the company says, it, it ends up being uh, king. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I think that a lot of scientists struggle to find the grants that they need. They, they if, if a topic isn't something that is going to get headlines, if a topic isn't something that's going to be extremely revolutionary and change the world, you know, it's just not sexy. It's not something that people um, care about. And I think that the academic institutions, for some reason, they also feel the same way and they don't, they don't necessarily fund those studies. And it, there is a real, you, you have to be political. You have to lobby to get your, your, um, your studies done. If it's not something that's going to be, um, immediately obvious and exciting to people uh, it, it, it's it's a goddamn shame really because people are under under the impression that science is just this totally uh, totally 
objective field. And when, you know, for a lot of reasons, and I don't want to, I don't want to just say it like outright, oh, it's, it's not. Because I think that scientists do try to be objective, but there are a lot of hurdles to pass and things change and people can't like something with COVID, for example, someone's like making fun of Fauci because, oh, he said something a year ago that's different than now uh, when it comes to COVID reporting. It's like, what are you fucking stupid pointing that out? Like, that's actually the stupidest thing to point out because, of course, the science changes, you know, and there needs to be additional testing and additional studies done. And it, it's it, there's a progression to it. So the idea that like, oh, science is just bullshit. Because Fauci said something a year ago that doesn't fall in line with, with, with what he's saying now. That is so fucking dumb and it really irritates me. I, I don't know what. I, yeah, but yeah, but but the problem is the problem is that there you're right. It is always evolving. We're always learning more. But then you have all these people shouting phrases like, you know, trust the science and like, I believe in science. Yeah. And it's like, what does that mean? Because. If you understand that science is just a discipline for reducing uncertainty, then you need to understand that that's an ongoing process and it's not set in stone. It's you can't hang your hat on. I mean, what have we talked about over the last hour are like the amount of things from <laughs> spinach to cigarettes that have like changed dramatically over the past you know, couple of generations done a 180 and I think that there is a messaging problem where you will have lots of people like beating each other over the head and 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 staking their claim on like the side of science when it's like you you literally can't do that. Like that's not I, how I, science I do works. think that like the the whole like I trust science and oh I want to like there's women like literally I, I've seen women on Twitter like they post Fauci it's like he's so hot I want to fuck him <laughs> like shit like that where he goes so far what? it's what? just it's virtue signaling right it's just this kind of weird uh, it's this weird thing that happens it's it's it is it is like it's very simplistic view of the world and and what's actually happening but at the same time I look there's a lot of people who trust random fucking people on YouTube more than they trust like actual institutions, especially in America, like the CDC, I, which I, is, it's just, I'm one it, of them. I, so, okay. So I would trust a video from, I would trust a video from you or Kevin or Wang or internet historian or coffee break, uh, who does an excellent job with, you know, debunking things. Um, God, there is a, a long, long list of people who I would trust uh, over a press release from the CDC. I, I, I know that sounds crazy, and it sounds like no, I don't think it sounds like a, crazy, a very yeah. anti-intellectual. No, thing. I don't. I don't think it sounds even anti-intellectual. I just, I just wonder, like, so when when it comes to like something like the CDC, the premier, like pretty much medical agency, and and what you're, you know, um, so I mean. Who, who, what are you left to trust other than that? And like, why YouTubers? Why someone? I'm just trying to understand like your mindset there. Like, why, why kind of like independent people who are making stuff online rather than, you know, a legitimate um, source or probably sure. the most, what is supposed to be the most. Do you not think, 
Do you think that they have a certain agenda or are they trying to push a certain thing? I think they're wrong a lot uh, about all sorts of things. And, and this is not like a, so much a science thing. It's not a CDC thing. Uh, a long time ago, I mean, I was, I was a kid. A book came out and uh, a family member was in it, was, was profiled in this book. And there's a, f- a family photo of, of his generation. It was a while back. And it listed the brothers and sisters in this family photo. Now, this was an academic book. It was put out by an academic press by a um, uh, long, long-standing historian and, and sociologist. Serious guy is what I'm, I'm trying to get at. And I knew from this photo, because again, it was an old, old family photo, that the subject being profiled in the book was not in the goddamn photo. He wasn't born yet. And it was all completely mislabeled. And this is somebody who did 10 years of interviews, who was serious about their scholarly work, and there was a mistake in it. Uh, And that mistake made it all the way to publishing. Nobody at any point fact-checked that. He didn't have an assistant to catch his his errors like that. Uh, The editors didn't do it. Um, That stuck with me, even, even though I was a kid. Uh, and I thought, okay, people screw up, uh, even when they don't mean to, that, that wasn't malicious, uh, as far as I know, maybe, maybe he did say, well, we need a photo on page 141. Uh, let's, let's, you know, fib on this one, but I don't think so. I think it was an honest mistake. Um, but then I started to see a lot of those mistakes as I knew more, as I got to know more things, it was easier to spot things I knew not to be true. And a thing that that really stuck to me was when when I found out about uh, the Gelman amnesia effect. So Murray Gelman was a Nobel laureate in physics. He was a mentor of um, Sheldon Glashow, who was uh, also a Nobel laureate in physics, who was a mentor of mine. And so he would tell stories about Murray Gelman, and then Michael Crichton blew up this amnesia effect thing. And the basics of it is that. Um, when you know a subject really well, you read a story in the newspaper that you know is factually incorrect or the take on it is wrong. You know it's bullshit. Um, and then you flip the page and read um, you read a story about something outside your area of expertise and completely believe it. Like you forget the fact that you've just uncovered a systematic screw up that you know is wrong. And then you flip the page and again, have full faith. Well, I haven't been able to have full faith in, in very much. So when I see somebody who takes a question as frivolous as, uh, what's, what's this, you know, makes frogs gay theory or, uh, what happened in the development of no man's sky or, uh, what is the, uh, Monty hall problem? Um, or, you know, what about that Russian guy that, cracked a a jar in his ass how about that when somebody is putting weeks or months hundreds of hours into getting to the truth there for nothing for crossing their fingers hoping they get some subs maybe they're at a point where they can get some adsense that makes it worthwhile um nobody's pressuring them to do it they probably can't even talk about it because they don't want it to leak before they release all these factors give them some credibility uh I think they tend to do a better job. I think they they get all sides. You did a good job in the Gay Frogs video of making the Alex Jones case and making the scientific case. I like so that. So I'm going I'm to be honest here, right? So like one of my earliest videos, the Hero and Noda videos, I fucked up 
major parts of Japanese history. And I actually added it to the script. What did you get oh, wrong? Oh, just like the whole thing. Like I ended up reading some fucking book from the 50s, which was just ended up being this racist um, interpretation of Japanese mm-hmm. history, right? So this is like 2018, okay. right? I think that with someone like me, it's a lot easier to forgive my fuck up. But when you look at like a premier agency, you expect them to always get it right. Um, and with yeah. something like, especially as complicated as COVID, I mean, things change daily. We're, we're not yes. sure what variant yes. is going to, what's happening, when it's going to mutate. We don't, we don't know a lot of things. And, um, you know, the manpower and effort and um, that's being put into the research and that, I, I don't think it's, it's worth completely discounting. Um, I do think, yes, there's probably a lot of political motivations to some of the stuff that they might put in the pl- press releases. Um, but at the end of the day, I am someone who wants to trust institutions. I want them to do their job. You know, as a taxpayer, I want them to do what they what they've been assigned to do. Um, and I want to trust them. So I, I guess I'm somewhat more forgiving than you when, from what you your explanation there. From what you're saying, I'm hearing, you know, you give them the benefit of the doubt straight away until they they prove that. They don't yeah, I don't that. think that, <laughs> I don't like, think that the, I don't I, think I think that's perfect. I don't valid. think that there's a plot. I don't think that there's a I don't right. think like right. there's a lot of people who think that like, oh, it's a great reset and people are they're doing this so that they could shut down the economy so they can change it. And, you know, Bill mm-hmm. Gates wants to vaccinate your children to put microchips in them and all this crazy bullshit. Right. right. I don't buy into that. I think that mistakes happen. Well, that's what I'm saying, too, is that. I, I don't think there's a grand conspiracy most times. I have witnessed things that are flat out unethical. When I was in, in graduate school, I got an email from uh, a professor who sent it out to everybody. They needed help with processing some data. And it was something like $15, $20 an hour, which is pretty good in you know almost 20 years ago. Um, and what they needed was uh, somebody who was familiar with uh, at the time, the term was just Hispanic culture to go through a list of names and count the Hispanic ones. And I thought for social science research, this is completely and totally fucked up that you would assign somebody any kind of demographic based on their name. You know how many uh, Hispanic people, uh, Latinx, whatever term you're using, um, are named Smith because you know, the father's name was Smith and the Hispanic mother took it. You know how many Rodriguez's are are just have, have no connection to uh, to the culture that that name would be associated with? No, it's bullshit. And so they they were, for whatever reason, kind of cooking the books on that study. I've seen stuff like that. It's incredibly uncommon. It really barely ever happens. But most of the time, it's the Popeye thing. Somebody has just plain made a mistake and I don't think they mean to do it. I just see constant mistakes. That's okay. Like that's human nature. People are reducing probabilities to binary outcomes. They win or they lose. The shot goes in or it doesn't go in. Uh, They're putting decimals in the wrong place. Um, They're making the wrong correlations on things like living under power lines or 
what in the water is causing cancer. All of these things add up to me to just not not lead you to to the truth, <laughs> right? So there's no grand conspiracy uh, that I see, uh, but I have a really hard time getting a bit of information and when it's a complex thing. I think, issue, I think like, that, like I think that thing uh, is trying to find complex. the truth is almost like it's kind of like a flawed pursuit. It is something that happens mm. over time. We have theories um up the wazoo. We have the I mean we have the theory of relativity. We have uh theory of gravity. Sure. We, we these are still theories. You know, the the literature it it it, it expands upon itself. We will never have the exact right answer uh, to expect the Mm -hmm. exact right answer, to expect people, especially with something like COVID, to expect them to know immediately, like in in March of uh, in uh, March of 2020, exactly what's happening. I think that's so it's 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 silly almost. It's, you know, I don't know, like things change and there's mistakes happen. This makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like you get more confident about things over time as you learn more and some things you find out just, you know, kind of kind of weren't what you thought um, or were not necessary. Something my great aunt used to do was uh, put a cap full of bleach in the sink that was filled with water and dip chicken in it. And this at the time, like in the 40s and 50s, uh, there was that like incredibly weak bleach solution to, I don't know what, what you'd kill stuff that caused like botulism or, or something. Salmonella. A lot of people did that. Salmonella, that too. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like you nuke this chicken with a safe bleach solution and then eat your bleach chicken. Uh, but you know, now I realize I don't have to dip my, my tendies in bleach to enjoy them safely. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's a process like, and it's, it's, I'm comfortable with the fact that we get closer to truth and confidence as time goes on. Why, why isn't everybody comfortable with that? Why do people double down on this is the truth? If you don't believe it, you're a bad person. The man who purveys the truth like a Fauci is a sex God who I want yeah, to bone it's... because he represents that truth <laughs> that today in April 2021, I know to be perfect. That, that, like, that how is does this a big happen? issue. I think that people want, to just subscribe to certain beliefs. I, I can't believe that something like even COVID is is um, a political thing. The idea that, the idea yeah. that, oh, uh, you know, quarantine or, uh, you know, uh, wearing masks is is a new phenomena. It's ridiculous. That's what people were doing in, in the 18th century with cholera. It's not, it's not a new thing. Mm-hmm. This is something that people have been doing to, 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 to stop the spread of diseases for a very, very long time. Um, it, but for some reason, especially in America, it, it, it's become an ideological fixation where I wear a mask and I'm going to put that in my Twitter bio. I don't wear a mask and I'm going to put that in my Twitter mm-hmm. bio. And it's it's <laughs> the stupid stupidity. I want to slap every single person who does that. I hate them. Um, by the way, on that note, I got to I got to piss like a racehorse. Can I just like I get to be right back? Is that all right? <laughs> yes, okay, yeah, go I got to be no, Give yeah, me 2 good. seconds. All uh- right.
I'm laughing because at a certain point, Kevin, like episode 500, we're going to have, we're going to be able to do a full episode of piss break compilations. (laughs) Yeah. Either that, or we're going to have a Tico bra situation with somebody uh, (laughs) or, uh, or Michael Reeves. (laughs) It's bladder bursting. Uh, Sorry. I monologue raged. I, this is a rage topic for me. I've been keeping it in since 1987. No, I know, I know. It's you with the with all those trivia books too that you've been going through, where you know like half of the yeah. stuff in them are wrong. Yeah, some of it is simply wrong. So one of them was there's this page of like misheard song lyrics, and I forget what it, what it was, but it was it, clearly from Sound uh, Sound of Silence, Simon and Garfunkel, and it it credited it as Simon and Garfunkel Bridge Over Troubled Water. And I'm like, fuck. This I know this is wrong. Like, what the fuck? Who who let this go through? Um, and then other times it's yeah, it's it's more like keeping a wives' tale that's too good to check. Not a simple mistake. Right. Okay, I'm back. Oh. What did I miss? We should make we should we should do a big collaboration YouTube channel where we just we just throw YouTubers under the bus when they get sh- get things wrong. Ah, uh, you know. Just you know end what? Their I <laughs> people get things wrong. You'll fuck up. Have you gotten something wrong, Kevin? Have you have you really kind of blown it on anything that you can think of in a YouTube video? Yeah. Um, if you have it, it wasn't recent. Like it must have been back in the day. Uh, I mispronounce things a million times uh, because I'm re- well, just really bad at that. Uh, that happens a lot. Um, I have gotten like minor math things wrong. There was. One where something didn't add up to a, a 100 in one of the videos. Um, yeah, there was one in the Perando's Paradox that I I flat out I got numbers wrong. And I remember yeah. the numbers yeah. were just kind of wonked. It, it, the thing added up to like 101% instead of uh, 100%. Um, yeah. Not that I can think of that was, I mean, for, for not substantially I, yeah, wrong. I don't know no. if we've talked about our process so much on Vsauce mm. 2, but so much work goes into um phrasing things in a way that that mm, yeah. is weasley and and i don't really know what word to use well, other other than weasley but it's like oh, it, you, that sounds like it sucks though well the point like, is devious. though is that there that going back to like our science our science discussion earlier is that you can't definitively say a lot of things scientifically right. it's just not right you cannot definitively definitive, definitively say a lot of things in science. So what you have Instead to do of, yeah. is just is state them in a way that doesn't make it sound like you're saying it definitively. Does that make more sense? I would put it differently and say that you make the language match the limits of certainty that you have about something that you can reasonably have about something. And so it's not much it's not so much tempering expectations to to play it safe as really matching the appropriate language to the appropriate level of confidence. Yeah, exactly. Does that yeah, make sense? No, I agree with that. Right. Yeah. That's so I think of Weasley it, where it's yeah. like, like you're kind of like lying on a fitness supplement to make people think they're going to be ripped when they take it. Like that's, that's the Weasley thing or the YouTube ad to massively expand your balls. Right. <laughs> There's probably some weasel phrasing in that. Uh, yeah. Whereas you're just respecting the limits of knowledge. And I think that's responsible. Yeah. 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 It's not snake oil. It's just, yeah. Trying to right. be as accurate as possible 
um, and not overstating yeah. the um, the results of whatever it is. Kevin, that, Kevin, I have I have a discussed. question for you. Do you ever feel like um, you have to go with a certain idea or theory or opinion, even though sometimes you're not a hundred percent sure about it? Oh, this is going to get good. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> Um, I guess, That's yeah, tough. I mean, I guess I would say I've never 100% sure about really anything, but it just goes back to trying to reduce the uncertainty in a way that I feel confident enough to say it in a video. Yeah. I mean, that probably is the best that you can really do. Mm-hmm. What I like about your approach, Kevin, and I think, I think Michael and Jake do this really well also is when there's a situation like that, that Oki's talking about when, when that kind of thing can come up. I think what you guys tend to do is say, all right, let's go into why this is such a weird situation. Like, why is this conclusion or this question or something uh, pushing and pulling in different directions? What's the, what's the deal with that? And that's interesting and that's good. And that's a, a, you know, really at the heart of difficult issues. Um, I, I think you guys do that a lot without even realizing it, which is very cool rather than, you know, committing to something uh, for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. Y- y- yeah. Yeah. I mean, my general outlook is that is that not to commit to almost any information. I think it's all <laughs> like the, the best you could do is get as close to the bullseye as you can. But how many things are actually in that like center red colored bullseye? Um, I don't know. A lot of physics stuff is in there. A lot of math stuff is in there. Everything else. Ugh. I don't know, man. <laughs> like human behavior stuff, not even close. Oh, that, well, that's all. A lot of yeah. yeah. Well, you know, like it. I, I love you... watching. <laughs> I love watching the channels who talk, like the body language channels. I find them so funny, mm-hmm. <laughs> where they're just like extrapolating. Like this one channel, they they just talk. They like they'll look at Joe Rogan clips, and they'll just like dissect the, the this situation and talk about the body language but they do it from this authoritative stance and it, it, it's the most ridiculous thing y- you'll ever see but it, it it is very very funny and entertaining it's like handwriting say? analysis oh god it's like <laughs> you see how the way he moved his hand there he's shook he's really scared in this moment oh he's feeling insecure because he looked down in this moment. Like I was watching one with Joe Rogan and uh, fuck, I think it was Kyle Kalinske. <sighs> Maybe not Kyle. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Or no, no, it was. So there was another one with Bill Burr and H3H3. Um, that, I think that's like their, the most viewed video on their channel. And if you watch enough of their videos, you'll see that I posted that this, like your videos are hilarious like a year ago. Um, but yeah, it's just like it's all this ex- extrapolation based off of their random body language and being like, who's the most dominant in the room? Uh, <laughs> there's this. Um, who's the alpha? Yeah, which is which is the problem with, you know, Gad Sad? I, I forget. Um, yeah, yeah. I forget what kind of what his his uh, thing is. What is it like behavioral? What is it called again? Um, do you know? Oh, what yeah. is this specialty? What is specialty? I gotta look this up. Uh, oh, evolutionary so I've, psychology. I've read a lot of yeah. um, very 
well-reasoned critical analysis is analysis of uh, evolutionary psychology and just how all of it is just like <laughs> kind of bullshit. But it seems like like a lot of evolutionary psychologists, um, and maybe I'm painting this whole thing with like just a wide brush here. Whatever. I'm I'm just bullshitting right now. But like it it seems like they are just they're very obsessed with male and female behavior and how that interacts and like who's the alpha in this situation <laughs> and, and just this, it's almost like um pickup artist stuff it, it, it's it's very oh weird <laughs> it's 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 pretty hilarious at the same time though i don't know i i'm torn on this so like i i can't believe i i'm doing this again but but this is i i'm trying to express how difficult it is to to kind of get a sense of how things work and to feel good about it. And as time goes on, the worse I feel, like the less confident I am with with anything. You're talking about behavioral analysis and body language and things like that and it, it being complete shit. And and I think it is. And then I think about something like uh playing playing cards for people who have hung around the after show a couple of weeks ago i talked about this i spent uh, several years playing a lot of cards live in uh, from las vegas to uh romania i guess you're like a pro um, poker player? and there you know this was this was many many years ago like 15 years ago i played a lot of cards and, and did some That's traveling awesome. and so there's things that are absolutely true though and one of the really simple basic ones is if somebody is a mess with how they stack their chips in front of them, they tend not to be a terribly careful player. If somebody is meticulously counting and stacking them and eh, all their chips are in perfect stacks of 10 and it's in a pyramid, um, if they're really like accounting the whole time, they're probably putting that same amount of thought into their plays they're not just doing shit willy-nilly and taking big risks this isn't perfect uh sometimes it's a mismatch but usually there's a correlation there reckless chip guy is reckless play guy um meticulous chip stacker is uh, very careful better uh so i don't know I, what to think you know i i don't know what to think with body language analysis and then there's some trait like that where i can extrapolate something that's true more times than it's not out of you know goofy behavior so I think what do you that do there are certain things that you can intuit um about someone's body language for example someone is their walk they're walking down the sidewalk and they're looking at the ground are they depressed or are they looking for coins right they're probably depressed they're halts they're slouched over yeah. they're just like their eyes are to the fucking to their feet they're probably in in a set place but it when you want to quantify these things and you want to have a whole field of study for it, I, I do think it gets it gets to this almost like horoscopy kind of like we're intuiting mm. things based off of whatever things that can't be quantified. I, you know, I I don't know. Like I remember there was this one uh, kind of famous clip with Gadsad and Joe Rogan, where Gadsad is explaining like what makes a woman attractive and he and he and he's he's explaining the study he did um gad sad at all where he he showed where he gets uh test subjects to fondle the breasts of a mannequin 
to explain yeah. what breast size is more attractive to a man. And it's like, and Joe Rogan calls him out. It's like, it's a mannequin. And it's the most, it's the most reasonable <laughs> thing in the world. Like, yes, it's a mannequin. So like the, it has no bearing on reality. A lot of, I don't know. I don't even want to say a lot of these studies. That's like the only study I know. So yeah, I, I yeah. Okay. So I'm going to be, I'm going to be as reasonable about this as I can and not really um, say either or whether it's bullshit or not, but it, it is something that I'm extremely skeptical about ev- evolutionary psychology. Well, it's good to be, I think skeptical of uh, most sciences as that ended up being sort of like the through line um, of this podcast. And as people who, you know, think about this stuff a lot and read about it a lot, um, I definitely felt and have felt over the years. um, I know that you speak with actual scientists. I am not an actual scientist. Um, And you glean a lot of really interesting information about how skeptical they are. I mean, I, I know that we, mm-hmm. we're, we're running long and we really want to get to some of our patrons' questions for you, but I'll just say really briefly that um, I became a lot more skeptical of science after interviewing actual scientists mm-hmm. because the way that, you know, right. when I was saying earlier about like uh, weasel words or, and really, you know, Matt, you're right. It's more about just being kind of hyper careful and selective with the language Holy cow, do you want to you want to talk to somebody who's going to be hyper careful uh, and selective with the language? Talk to an actual yeah. researcher because they will not definitively say like no, anything won't. within a thousand miles of what you're trying of what you, you know, Oki or me like Kevin making a YouTube video is trying to be able to like parse and communicate in a YouTube video. Like they do not have a pole long enough to get away from most of the things that we want <laughs> to I, talk about. I swear can I to interject, God. Yeah. interject really yeah. quickly. I started interviewing these scientists while I was doing the gay frogs video. And one of the first questions I had for all of them, does it turn the frogs gay? None of them would definitively answer that question. None of them. And I, wow. I asked it in many different ways. And I was like, look, just level with me. Just, just give me, throw me a bone. Just give me something. None of them would <laughs> definitively answer that question. They are, they realize, I think that what you're, exactly what you're, what you're uh, speaking to, uh, Kevin, what they realize is that there needs to be more studies. There's, it's never going to be d- definitive. There always needs to be more studies. Right. And then better studies for those and then better peer reviews for those and then analyze who did the peer review and how that study went and it is it is just a spiral of uh, of science (laughs) the spiral i believe in the spiral of science think about it i I mean think about it gravity isn't an object it's not an objective thing we can't just be like gravity is a thing that happens and yes this is 100 what's happening and this is the our explanation of it is what's happening it's still a theory Although the moral I, of the story I, here, I promise if oh, you jump it, off the roof, it's exactly. not going to go well. <laughs> I mean, it's obvious. That's what I'm saying. It's like even the most, the things that are most rooted in reality are still suspect to question. That's my, I think the, the moral of this whole episode is trust no one and never leave the house. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if you could take two things away from this whole chat, 
it's it's that there's you can't trust your mother your father you can't <laughs> trust them can't trust popeye uh, you're, you can't trust popeye you can't trust your teachers you can't trust anybody your doctor no 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 <laughs> stay in your room don't leave the house and and then you just have to worry about trusting you the most trustworthy untrustworthy of them all <laughs> yeah so, right <laughs> yourself the man the person the who's mirror. most full of shit is always so, yourself always so, i don't trust Good myself luck. um let's uh <laughs> let's go to let's go to some questions we got uh we got a few here and it's a mix first one i'm going to do is is from your partner in podcasting the keynote oh, yeah. corner um yeah the keynote cast which we'll put the links in the description i mentioned the ghost gum episode that will be out by the time this is dropped the keynote cast um, best podcast of the universe but yeah second best but yeah i will fight you good. on that um all right tcu people <laughs> we'll fight you on the keynote cast it's probably the best podcast ever made well i didn't i really didn't understand i didn't know how how deeply you were into film and how knowledgeable oh, you, you were know, about it and and keynote certainly is yeah and you guys are a good good pair for that i like I like the concept of it a lot, but he wants to know why is Blade Runner 2049 your favorite movie? Well, let me tell you, Kino. So the funny thing is we've already had a conversation <laughs> about this where I said that Blade, Funner, uh, Blade Runner 2049 isn't even, I, I don't really even like it. I don't even like the original Blade Runner that much, but you know, it's both of them are like, I respect them more so than I like them. I, I think that both of them are actually kind of boring, to be honest. Uh, all the nerds in the comment section in the Discord are probably going to get really mad at that. Whatever, including Kino. This is going to go badly. Including Kino because yeah. Kino is a total nerd. Um, I don't know. Um, why is it the best movie? Because De Denis Villeneuve, Canadian French Canadian wonderkin Denis Villeneuve, is saving cinema. He's he's just like he pumps out movies, and all of them are fucking. They get high ratings in Rotten Tomatoes, and. You know, I don't know if he's won an Oscar yet, but he should. He's saving cinema. W what else can I say? <laughs> That's a fair answer. Um, I'll tell you my Blade Runner 2049 story real quick. I never go to the theater, uh, but I went to see that because I needed to see that in the theater. And I was one of, I think, four people in the theater. And uh, as it ended and, you know, the credits were rolling, <laughs> the guy in front of me stands up and starts walking out with his girlfriend. And all, all they said to each other was, he goes, well, that was long. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's like a lot of movies that I watch that are like, they're legitimately good movies. And then you watch them with like kind of like a normie, normie uh, audience. And yeah, they... You walk into the theater and they're just like, yeah, that was kind of, that was kind of shit. But like, I really respect, <laughs> I, I genuinely respect the craft of Denny Villeneuve and, you know, the first Blade Runner, uh, Ridley Scott and, you know, and the subsequent remake, uh, Blade Runner 2049. I, 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 I respect those movies more than I enjoy them. Well, we're going to switch gears a little bit, but we'll, you know what, we'll still, we'll, we'll pull a cinema person in there this is from the uh the grinning reaper alex jones versus peter dinklage who wins okay well well so peter dinklage playing this character in game of thrones or peter dinklage uh, Pe peter, that's okay, up for so debate. i'll go with him playing this character uh in um okay i think that um damn both of them are great fictional characters i'll leave it at that <laughs> oh, that's a good I'll twist yeah 
That's a good twist. So you won't take a position. You, you, you I won't, won't, I won't, you won't stack them against each other, but both of them are very compelling fictional characters. <laughs> uh, this is from, uh, this is from Albie. Thoughts on the extra dimensional elves? Um, well, you know, the, the extra dimensional elves. Last I heard, they were on uh, Jupiter. They've been moving. They've been tra- traversing through uh, the galaxy, and they're almost about to hit Earth. Um, they did. Uh, they were the ones who actually. Um, they're behind the Loch Ness monster, and uh, okay. so you know a lot of fuckery there. Pretty much every single mythological <laughs> figure, Bigfoot, right? Um, you know, Easter Islands. Right. They're behind all of that shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the interdimensional elves, they're shapeshifters. And um, also, like all conspiracy, good conspiracy theories, they're also pedophiles. So watch out for them. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> we, we, we're, we're reaching Pizzagate territory. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, oh. So this is from Trev. This is really good because we didn't talk a lot about your process and, and you do, uh, take a long time between, between videos because you go so in depth. Um, I think there are what, probably like 18 or 20 on your channel. Does that sound right? Ah, uh, something like that. Yeah. Since 2017. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so Trev asks, you take a long time between videos. How do you determine what subjects are interesting enough for you to do these lengthy deep dives into research? They have to have a narrative, um, three act, three act structure. Um, they have to be compelling, entertaining. Um, I'm an entertainer first before I don't, I don't call myself a journalist. Um, I am reticent to even call myself a documentarian, but I guess that's kind of what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, first and foremost, I'm an I'm an entertainer, and I pick wild and weird subjects. And um, you know, one of the favorite videos I've ever made on my channel is actually the Steve Rocco video, which is about a guy who, excuse me, I just burped, which is about a guy who um, he <laughs> he was a troll, and he believed in this conspiracy called the Partnership, and he and he believed that him getting he got elected to the school board school board in um, the Orange Unified School District in California. And uh, for four mm-hmm. years, he, throughout all of their meetings, the school board meetings, he just talked about the partnership. And eventually he believed that his colleagues on the board wanted to kill him. And, you know, they tried to do a recall and they tried to get rid of him. And um, eventually they just like gerrymandered, gerrymandered him out of his district and couldn't run again. But the the, the whole narrative to that is like so perfect to me because it ends especially like uh the day new the day new is um it ends with him stealing a, a half empty bottle of ketchup from um from a from a, a from a local university because he wants to kill or he wants to like not necessarily kill but he wants to he wants to confront a guy who made a documentary about him um but he steals a half empty bottle of ketchup in between that and it goes to superior court in the state so it's just like it's just this beautiful narrative (laughs) and he and he continues to run for elections in um in orange county even since then so good luck to him and his future of his political career he's so funny i love him (laughs) so you just told a 
long, crazy story about this guy. Dan the Latch asks about this. What did you do before you focused on YouTube and where'd you learn to tell stories so well? Ah, uh, okay. So I think I'm still trying to learn. <laughs> I don't think I've gotten to the point where like I'm, you know, great at it or anything, but I am learning. I learn a lot just doing this, but yeah, no, I was writing screenplays. Um, uh, my dad oh. owns a pharmacy, right? So I, you know, I, I worked, I was, um, actually, a a pharmacy technician before this. Um, so that's huh. what I was doing. And I mean, I still help out at the pharmacy here and there, but not as much anymore. Uh, but I was also writing screenplays. I was writing novels. Um, I was watching a fuck ton of movies. I was studying them. Um, yeah. There was a lot of work that went into understanding stories before I started this channel. And actually, when I started this channel, I, I was it was because I, pro I procrastinated. I, uh, I was supposed to write two scripts for, um, for a screen screenplay contest. And I fucked, fucked off on that. And then instead, I, I started making these weird YouTube videos where I talk about how gay Jean-Claude Van Damme is. You know, like that was, that's what I ended up doing. And it was, it was funny to me and it was fun. <laughs> and um, it worked on Reddit and I got views. And yeah, pretty early on, like in 2017, well, it was very late 2017. Um, I was already like, you know, some of my earliest videos on this channel, uh, they would get like 400 upvotes on our videos and shit. So it, it was it was pretty immediate that I had almost like uh, 16K subs. Wow. That's a good jump start. Yeah, it was great. I don't think Reddit um, works that way anymore, though. Doesn't seem to. Uh, Weist talked a little bit about that uh, a couple months ago, and the Reddit ecosystem seems to drive traffic a little bit differently than it used to and it doesn't seem like the resource for youtubers uh, getting started that it was back in the past i have no idea how it started a brand new channel without you know having this one to like you know bolster it i don't know what like what someone should do at this point because back then it was like reddit was just like yeah it just it just worked i don't know if it works as much anymore well on videos dojangles has a specific question. Would you ever make a Scientology video and or are you going to appear in hers? Yeah, I'll, I'll appear in uh, Dojangle's video. Yeah, she's cool. I like her. She's very nice. Participation. Um, so she is a nice girl. Participation confirmed. It's on the record. It'll be in the digital archives I'll, now. I'll say this. <laughs> um, the Scientology video that I was I've been planning for a very long time is to read Elron Hubbard's uh, pulp um, books his science fiction books and like talk about them and, and write yeah. them. But like every, everything, like you said, there's a there lot, was like a thousand. He was, he's literally the, one of the most prolific yeah. <laughs> pulp novelists of all time. But I think that everything else has been said about Scientology. There's nothing left to say. Right. So it's tough at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good. Kino corner has a question that, Boy, it seems to involve us. Will you be open to have the create the create unknown on the Kino cast? Uh, Kino was telling me that Kevin's favorite movie is um, Ghost Dog, so I'd be down to talk about that. I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, that one may be a, a Kevin only. You should rewatch it. We can talk about it. It's fun. I love that movie. Yeah, it is good. <laughs> I've only watched three movies in my life: uh, The Last Mohicans, which I talked to Kino about I like that movie, a, a while yeah. ago, maybe a year ago. That's uh, a good one. It's good. Yeah. It's quite good. And the only other 
two movies worth watching are Rocky Four and Over the Top. So you know what? Those are those uh, are like three legitimately good movies. So good for you. Oh, oh! Did he just come? Yeah. Like what just happened? Kevin, I'm going to engineer your death. You just like yeah. just. I, I'm plotting to. I'm plotting to to. Uh, bump Kevin off the create unknown. So finally, somebody who appreciates good art can can be. Hey, I like with Rocky me. Four and Over the Top. I like those <laughs> movies. I was since when do I not like those movies? I I think they're great. They're great. However, there are a lot of other movies that are also great. Like I don't limit my purview of great film to three movies only. <laughs> and then no, just but like, I don't think you understand. Call it a day on the. I don't entire think you understand medium no no you don't know how it works and this is this shows the limitations uh like how unsophisticated you are with film you you think there these other movies exist but you don't understand why so rockies one two and three were a build-up to four and the ones after four were meant to show how good you how good you had it with four like those are the those are the purposes and people talk about rocky one all the time as being this great piece of film no no no. this is just the beginning this is the setup for the Cold War battle of all time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going someplace Rock, else Rocky, with that. And Rocky instead, Four, you just stick I'm gonna, with Rocky. I'm going to be honest. Rocky Four is not as good as the first one. The first one is the best movie the Rocky in the Rocky series. Yeah, it it, It's just it genuinely is. way better. It's but like, I do love the, the campiness of like all of the other Rocky movies. Then it ends up getting, a, it ends up getting <laughs> too serious with like uh, Rocky Six and then especially like the um, offshoots with Creed. Like then it gets like, yeah, it's like it's just right. like crowd pleasers that are taking itself too seriously. But I love it when Rocky like he had that robot in his house and it's just stupid. Tom Vidioger just put the robot in the episode chat and Sylvester Stallone said he wanted to recut Rocky Four and delete the robot. And and there's outcry on Twitter. That that is <laughs> yeah. I will I I am day. okay with people assassinating him in a video game if if he does that. <laughs> Imagine in a video game. Minecraft. In a video stop game. This. In a video just, game. I need stop. Let's listen. Let's just think about the gall it takes to feel like you need to recut Rocky Four, as if removing that robot suddenly like turns it into it's, some sort it's of now magnum it's opus. Kane. It's, it's preposterous without, on its face that it's like if only uh, there were no robot it would have been without perfect. the robot it's now it's Citizen Kane. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That robot matters though. It matters in the film because it's it shows like the weird extension of Rocky's lavish life to the point where Paulie has this own his own service robot like that setting that whole scene up is it gives you the contrast in breaking it down to the basics where you're chopping wood in Siberia Look, right like you have to Look, have there, that contrast. there are only it's, two places in the world that I want to visit I've never been to America right and but if I go to America right I'll go to Pizza Gate. Uh, I'll go to um, the pizza parlor, uh, Comet, Be- Comet Pizza, <laughs> and I'll eat there. And I'll enjoy it. I'll take a <laughs> selfie there. And I'll also go to Philadelphia to the Ro- <laughs> Rocky Steps. That's what I'll do. Yeah, I'm actually gonna visit. God, what a we- what a weird vacation. What a weird. I'm bucket actually list. gonna visit America for the first time in for VidCon in, in October. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. We oh, will good. be there. I can't wait to see people we with like guns on their hips with- and whatever. It's happening. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not so much 
so much Anaheim. Yeah, to be, to <laughs> be fair. Yeah. The convention center Disney side. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> what do you think that America is that's like? My, that's my interpretation of <laughs> America. Part. It's just like everybody has fucking assault oh rifles God. <laughs> strapped to their back. And they are, they have a hamburger the in their right part hand to me and, and a Glock in their is, left. You're in Toronto. Like, that's literally so close that I fly out of Toronto sometimes because the drive is reasonable. Like, you're not, like, 7,000 miles away from the U.S. You know, you could, like, kick a football and have it land across the border. Yeah, the Buffalo Bills play there, that for God's true. sakes. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, right. Look, <laughs> look, I'm, I'm just going to say... I, I don't know. Like, uh, I just want America to uh, meet my expectations. I just I just want to see someone <laughs> with a Glock on, on their hip. That's it. That's why. Why? Why deny me my uh, uh, fantasy? Well, you can go to uh, Penn Station in New York and you can see like the army. <laughs> in yeah, Penn that's Station. true. Yeah. You can see some some decent guns there. Otherwise, uh, not really the case. All right. Slush suggests going to Israel, and that is the truth. Uh, plus, you get you get the best named gun in the world. You get to see the IWI Tavor. Um, they make they make fine weapons that they named after me. Nice. Uh, let's see. We got a couple. We got a couple questions, and then you're out. Uh, this is from Doctor MacArthur. This is good. Um, let's go full conspiracy theory. Let's say one of these is real. Is it more likely that chemicals in the water would turn you gay or turn you into a frog well you know there's the um, there's the fable of the uh, the prince and the, the, the prince who you kiss it and then uh, turns from a frog into a prince so i mean it's been documented we have the documents you kiss the <laughs> you kiss the frog and it can turn into a prince um in all honestly i have no <laughs> way to answer that question because it's fucking stupid but you know um, yeah, sometimes you kiss a frog and it'll turn into a prince. <laughs> I think the official answer of which one would happen is the, yes. Yes. With, with the Chad face. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Chad face. Yes. <laughs> uh, penultimate question is also from Kino. When is the boxing match against Miles Power? Do you guys know about my beef with Miles Power? Nope. I don't even know <laughs> can, who Miles you, Power can you summarize? is. So Miles Power made a three-part um, series. Of, Isn't that Tails' real name from yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog? Uh, oh, no, that's Miles Prower. Apparently, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, it's, he's one letter off from um, a, a fictional um, rodent. But anyway, Miles Power is a guy who made a three-part series about, like, gay frogs, and he just used, like, shill blogs um, to bolster his point, and I called him out, and then we had this whole beef and and i asked him to debate me and i was like debate me bro debate me and he and he didn't he didn't want to do it and it's been seven months and he's never made a reaction video to my gay frogs video even though he's like oh it's bullshit um so yeah miles power still waiting on the video seven months later all right we'll get keem to set this boxing i match would up. i would box him keem can work his magic him. and i got a mean right hook bro <laughs> I get him in the kidney and then the face. I'll do like a two double oh God. tap. It's kidney face. <laughs> Very technical. Why, why do I get the feeling that the more you talk about this, the more likely we are to be named in the lawsuit? <laughs> oh, please, no. I was like, you know. Um, go on. 
we got uh, we got the last one, and it's it's a good one. It's from Marco, uh, who who says uh, what or wants to know what what do you consider things to to help you like stay motivated with making these videos, especially when they take forever to do. You know, it's it's not like writing a hundred poems. It's like writing a, a one long novel. Um, and really, what makes you happy along the way? I mean, learning as much as I can. Um, that's like a lot of what I'm doing is just like learning. I love the idea that I'm able to learn things and present it to people. I, I get, I make money and not like, I make pretty decent money at this point, just learning things and presenting it to people. And that makes me extremely happy. So yes, I, I do deal with issues with motivation. Like I actually have ADHD. So, you know, that's mm -hmm. a dysregulation and motivation. So it's not always that like I can always just find it in me to just, you know, finish things. But I do, I spend a good amount every single day working on things and it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily feel like work because I, uh, I think I'm genuine, I'm a genuinely curious person and what I do makes me very happy. I think that's a theme with, with a lot of the people we talk to is that they all seem, seem to be genuinely, sincerely curious and enjoy the process of satisfying that curiosity. I think yeah. that's pretty critical with, with virtually anything. Does that sound like a fit, Kevin? Yeah, man, it's really hard to work on a thing for three months unless you really want to, <laughs> unless you're like really enjoying that process. I think most people would give up, you know, after day three of a thing, unless yeah. they were interested in plowing through, you know, they're, we went long and there are still things that I, I didn't even mention, questions I didn't ask, but we'll just have to save that for next time. Uh, things about like uh, John McAfee, for instance, things about <laughs> yeah. uh, Jacob Wall, for instance. Um, there's right. a lot. So I, I you know highly encourage people to, to go to Oki's Weird Stories on YouTube. Uh, you will kind of, it's like a rabbit hole channel. Imagine if a channel was <laughs> yeah. just a rabbit hole. That's Oki's weird stories. It's 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 like literally based upon the concept of a rabbit hole. So definitely check that out. Uh, check out KinoCast. Also, um, you know, I found the NPR article that I mentioned about plastics mm. uh, recycling. I'd love to throw that in um, to the description for you know people to check out. Um, if you just want to Google it, it's called how big oil misled the public into believing plastic would be recycled and it's on NPR.org. Uh, you can also just Google NPR plastic lie or recycling lie and, <laughs> and, and it will, it will come up and I encourage people to do so because it absolutely blew my mind and, um, and I think it will, it would blow anybody's mind who actually read the thing and that's why. I've just been su surprised to to hear crickets about this thing. But um, uh, listen, hey, thanks so much for for hanging out with us, and thanks for hanging out with us for so long that your bladder almost popped. That was really <laughs> no, uh, no, gracious this has been of you. Very, very fun. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Awesome, awesome, and thanks to all of our patrons for hanging out in the episode chat. Thanks to all of the lurkers yeah, yeah. who are new here and we're just listening in on our conversation. We do this every single. Wednesday night because Wednesday night is TCU night. Wednesday night is TCU yes, night. Is. We are here. And if you want to join the episode chat while you're lurking, 
just go to patreon.com slash the create unknown, start as a $2 tot and then work your way up into our, our conspiracy, our, our world where you'll be inundated with, with truths that you just never knew were out there. We're like the X-Files if, if, if it were a real organization in podcast form. Uh, Matt, you got anything else before we sign off? Yeah. Trust nobody. Never leave the house. The end. Perfect. Science it, is fake. There you go. <laughs> See you, Space Cowboys. Thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. We'd like to extend a huge thank you and congratulations to the Tots and Dumpster crew who save tiny little lives every month. A tremendous shout out to our elite baby gang. Trevstad, Boromir, Bot Dogs, Chinchilla, Isaac, Conrad, James, Jeff Davis, Patrick Pister, Baseweight, and Dojangles. And thank you to our grizzled, battle-hardened child infantry. Jen Mefisanti, Kevin Menard, Mikhail Steinke, Risebread, Sean Malone, Triple Question Mark, Monahim, Ryan Kinder, Sheep, and Maruko. Thank you as well to our producer and editor, Ben Webster, and to our media manager, Dan Yosua. The Create Unknown is an unknown media production. 